imagine for a moment that you heard this command and you were declared to repent. Just imagine that you were on Mount Sinai as the Lord moved to enter into the covenant. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me, is fundamental and makes sense. And the same can be said for the next three commandments that deal with how we are to live in relation to God. Then the second table of the law
exposed to it. But having found possession and the men, even the women, slaughtered a part of the men. Thank you. 
those great commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You know, the sin of coveting, then, is one of the selfish desires that come about from idols and things, wife, clothes, even your tongue. The sin of coveting is an epidemic that plagues our hearts. And therefore, our hearts must learn to submit to Jesus, and our hearts must delight in his righteousness. To avoid the sin sin of coveting, then, we must love God and our neighbor from the heart. Well, that leads us to a serious problem. Obeying the law was a simple matter of following a list of external rules to get God's approval. We would feel good about doing a better job at it than our neighbor. But if perfection must come from the heart, then we are wretched. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul is appealing to the moral passions law of God. And the Pharisees did him a bitter turn on the way around most of this law. But verse 7 says that from the law we learn that we need to covet this law forced Paul to examine his heart. The Lord points out the Lord was shocked by what he found out in them. That's how he says it in Romans 7 verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death. Paul had to conclude that he was not able to do the good that he wanted to do. He had to conclude that in himself, apart from his renewal of the spirit, there was nothing good within him. Paul's conclusion of what was going on inside of him is similar to what Jeremiah had already observed in Jeremiah 7, verse 21. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. In the heart of every believer, there is a bitter struggle, a war going on. Although on the one hand, we can see that in Galatians 5, verse 20 and 24, that those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and sins. On the other hand, we must also confess that we do have a fight that is not yet happened in this life. The battle is not over yet, and we often find ourselves not doing the good we want to do because we feel defeated. And Paul himself acknowledged this in Galatians 5, verse 20. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. And they are in conflict with each other, so that you are not whatever you want to do. That is, the battle that rages within us. And as the flesh wars against the spirit, don't be surprised if you discover in your heart that it's filled with evil passions and desires. None of us on this side of eternity will be able to prevent them from really being handled in this life. As Whitfield was taught, we had our covetous nature and the desires of the flesh under control Satan throws us another one of his lures to enslave us one time and one time only. Here's another point. There is a struggle within our hearts, a struggle of the flesh, our own flesh, with the spirit within us. But the presence of such a struggle is not to be shunned, that we are lost. It is not evidence that we have never made it, that we can't be good enough. A Christian is not a person who is deceived in himself with his sins. God, wretched man that I am, desperately defeated, not doing the good desire. When that battle rages within our hearts, it's not pleasant. The battle causes us to lose, and that's what happened to Paul. At times, we may try to ignore that battle, 